Welcome to another message from Graceway Baptist Church on Capitol Hill. You can find more about us by visiting gracewaydc.com or find Graceway DC on social media. The Christmas season celebrates our only hope for lasting peace. That is the Prince of Peace. But holiday pressures can often replace the peace that Jesus offers. In this message from the day after Christmas, Pastor Brad Wells outlines the steps to knowing eternal, internal, and external peace. Here's Pastor Wells with Exchanging Pressure for Peace. Thanks for coming out this day after Christmas, Boxing Day. And it has nothing to do with, you know, Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali and all those guys, but uh, actually taking back a lot of the things that were given and, and, uh, I guess there's millions and millions of dollars that are lost uh, by different stores as their gifts are taken back and that sort of stuff. You know, Christmas is a time of incredible, incredible pressure. Hopefully you didn't have a lot of pressure this Christmas season. Uh, But today I want to talk to you about how to exchange pressure for peace. And there's a lot of pressure Uh, I think there's pressure because we have family that comes in from other places and we've been gone for a year, sometimes two years, and we get together and different expectations and different things and elements. And the pressure of trying to live up to last year's Christmas or uh, a decade ago or when I was a young kid, uh, there's financial pressures. I want to buy these things, uh, but I do have some bills and what should I do? Uh, There's parties and presents and people everywhere with a very real feeling of perfection and uh, a very real feeling that I am not going to measure up. How many of you have felt the pressure of Christmas before? Yeah, yeah, It's it's a big thing. It's a real thing. And we've been developing this thought about peace for a few weeks now, tied right to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. And Isaiah 9, 6 reads, For unto us a child is born. So the Messiah will be born. He'll be, he'll be human. He'll be born. Unto us a son is given. He won't just be human. He'll be divine. And that is right there in the prophecy 700 years before Christ came. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. He won't just be an outcast or a servant. He'll be a leader. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Well, wouldn't that be amazing? A wonderful leader. Oh, yes, he is. Counselor, that is, he's interested in you. Listen, if it concerns you, it concerns God. It concerns Jesus, the mighty God. I think maybe next year we might develop this thought of of the Messiah and how he is the mighty God. I think last week we developed this thought. He is the everlasting Father. The Messiah that is born is the everlasting Father. It's right there in the prophecy of Isaiah. And the Prince of Peace. Now, this is the thought we're going to develop again today, the Prince of Peace. And we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, It should be somewhat developed in your mind already. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 14 speaks more of peace. Christmas is the time of peace. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Say it with me. 
peace, goodwill toward men. That's the declaration of the Messiah. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Now, that hasn't come in its fullness. Remember, we talked about that that this peace was prophesied, but it was postponed, but it can be personally attributed to your life. It can be uh, brought into the very heart of your soul. And then we developed this thought already. This is just a little bit of review from John chapter 14 and verse number 27, where it says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus said, I'm giving you peace. And my peace I'm giving to you, not just an extra peace, my peace, the peace that I have, I'm giving to you. As a follower of Christ, you can have the very peace of God, the peace of Christ. Now, I've got three points to give you in two different series, so a total of six, about the peace that God gives. And first, this is a spiritual peace. This is, we could definitely argue, this is the most important element. This is a spiritual peace. This is eternal peace, and it is peace with God. If you don't have any peace, this is the peace you want. Peace with God. You need to make peace with God. You need to agree with him. Don't try to get God to agree with you. Remember when we were kids and we would try to get our parents to agree to us and they wouldn't and we would try it over here like this then we'd dance over here like this and I don't know, how many of you were really good at trying to get your parents to see it your way? Let me see your hands. How many of you were so good at this you would never admit it right now? That's just like, yes. <laughs> how many of you were not good at it at all? You just really failed at that. You just, okay. Well, none of that actually applies to this situation because we could never manipulate or deceive or trick God. He's not going to see it our way. We have to agree with God. We must agree with God. In order to get God's peace, we must agree with God. And that is, that is the thrust of this. He is the prince of peace, but you must submit to his rule. There will be no peace from the prince of peace given to, to rebels given to somebody that is going to say, I'm going to do it my own way. You've got to do it God's way. Elbow your neighbor and say, you got to do it God's way. You, you got to do it God's way. Let me give you another scripture here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 18 and 19 is talking about being reconciled. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. So God brought us to himself. He reconciled um, us to himself. Now, God's not coming to us. Jesus came to us to bring us to God. The reason Jesus comes is to, to be the bridge, to be the pathway, to be the mediator, to bring us to God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So what that means is once we have peace with God, we are to go out and proclaim and talk to people about the peace of God. 
I was I was talking to Tom just before service, and you were talking about how you are distributing your gospel tracks. So hold up that track real quick, that that Jesus track right there. And you've given out lots of those tracks here this this week. And then just Friday night, we gave out all these tracks around the Capitol Christmas tree, and and I I brought all I could hold in my hands, all. And before we started, before we started singing. I had two different people come up and say, do we have any tracks? <laughs> they were they were gone. I mean, people were receiving tracks like crazy. Listen, that's our job. It's the ministry of reconciliation. That is getting people that are at odds with each other, that are enemies, back aligned. How does that happen? It, it comes through that eternal peace, that spiritual peace, that peace with God. But there's another peace and that is the emotional peace, that internal peace. This is your second point here, that internal peace that you need. And that's the peace of God. Now, that eternal peace, that's salvation. But as you grow with God and walk with him, you get, you get the peace of God ruling and reigning in your heart. Let me show you this verse, Colossians 3, 14 through 16. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Now, there's all sorts of um, um, bonds or, or ties. Now, family ties, those are good ties, but that's not charity. And, and charity is the love that's not trying to get. It's the sacrificial love that wants to give and ask nothing in return. That's the perfect tie or the perfect bond. Family bonds are good. Um, you know, team bonds are if you're uh, on the same football team or you're in the same branch of the service or you're on the same you're on the same job or you're in the same disaster. It's something terrible happens and something unites you. Those are strong and wonderful bonds. But they have flaws, lots of flaws. That's why marriages dissolve. That's why um, business partners break up. That's why family members don't talk to each other anymore because it's not a perfect bond. It's not a perfect unity or, or tie. But charity is that. But look at the next verse, verse number 15. And let the peace, not with God, but the peace, what? of God rule in your hearts. Now, here's the secret to this second level. That is getting over anxiety, getting over fear, getting over those emotions that make you feel insecure, unable, that you're just melting away in the corner. It's having the peace of God rule in your hearts. Remember, the Messiah comes not to just be a part, not to just be the resident of your life, but to be the president of your life. He comes as the ruler. He's the prince. He's in charge. He's leading. He's the manager. And so we've got to let the peace of God rule in our hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Thankfulness is huge. It's huge. I love the way we've got Thanksgiving just before Christmas. I love that. Because without a thankful heart, you become prone. You become a victim to anything that comes by that says, you got chipped. You weren't loved. You weren't taken care of. And I mean, the devil sells this wholesale on the streets and people buy it by the truckloads. 
and they become the devil's victims or for whatever scenario. But we are to be a thankful people in the bond of charity, letting the, say it with me, peace of God ruling in our hearts. Now, my father-in-law, Deborah's dad, says this. He says, when the lion lays down with the lamb in your heart, you know the king is on the throne. What that means is the peace of God is ruling in your life when you don't have this internal struggle. Now, many of you have a decision right before you. Maybe it's moving, maybe it's a job, maybe it's school or some class or any number of things. How do I know this right here, Colossians 3.15, write that down, remember it. You know, John 3.16, this is Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. That is, let God give you that peace. And if you don't have peace, just no, I'm not doing it. If I don't have the peace, no. When in doubt, don't. When in doubt, don't. The next verse, verse number 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So this, this leading of the Lord through his peace that is the cure for our anxiety by the way, it's not just talking about it. It's not just discussing it that is going to get you through it. It's the peace of God, and it's ruling in your heart, but it's not absent from the Bible. 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That is, God is going to lead you. He's going to give you the peace of God as you read the word. Now, one major thing we're going to do this year is we're going to read the Bible together. We've got a Bible reading calendar that we're going to hopefully put in your hands this, this next week, the first Sunday. We've got our app. I hope you stay up with the Bible reading app. Sign into that. Or use a, a, a Bible reading program that, that you like, whatever works for you. Last year, we did chronological reading. This year, we're going to just, just as the Bible is written, that's the way we're going to read it. I like it that way. And the word of Christ is not to be in you in scarcity, but it's to be rich. It is to be just full. You are to be saturated with the word of God. When you talk, it just sort of comes out and you just, you just love it. You're feeding on it every day, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now look at the cause and effect of this verse. We let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And what's the very next thing? Teaching and admonishing. That is, I'm reading, I'm letting the Word of God come in so it can go out. In what form? Teaching and admonishing. I think every disciple of Christ should be working on that. As you read, you're looking for something to give. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The song of our life is to the Lord, and it's filled with grace, and I'm thankful, and I have this bond of charity. So we're talking about peace. Unfortunately, we live in a time that is much like all the other times, filled with war and anxiety and tensions and skirmishes, threatenings, and all sorts of division and politics. Friends, the cure is not a stronger Republican Party or Democrat Party or another independent party of some sort. The cure is the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be no peace to the wicked, and there will only be peace 
when the Prince of Peace is on the throne, and you can have it, that internal peace of God. Now, let me go to the third element. The third element is relational peace. The first one is spiritual peace. That's eternal. The second one is emotional peace. That's internal. The third one is relational peace, and this is external. The first one is with God. The second one is within of God. And the third one is with others. And God wants us to be a peaceful people. Oftentimes, Christians are not known for being peacemakers. And that's wrong. Now, now we need to take a stand on the truth. We need to stand on the word of God and, and not budge. And, and that's a big deal. We're not talking about that. We are talking about the tendency to have strife and problems with other people. When you feel far from others, when you feel far from others, get close to God. When you feel far from others, get close to God. And people oftentimes make the mistake, they feel far from other people and they try to connect with other people. Oftentimes, the problem is they don't have that relational peace that comes from God. Now, I want to turn to a few passages here. So um, turn to your neighbor and say, make sure you turn there in your Bible if you can. Ephesians 2, <laughs> verse number 12. Ephesians 2 and verse number 12. Everybody having a good time here in church? I want you to relax and have a good time. We're going to have coffees and pastries in just a few minutes, but right now we're talking about peace. The piece of pie will come later. Ephesians 2, verses 12 through 19, it says this, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenants and promises, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, this speaks of the plight and the situation of every person, every person without God. No matter what position they hold, it's insignificant. You could be the president of the company, the, the, the leader of, of this. The, uh, you could hold a million dollars or a billion dollars. You could drive whatever car and own whatever house and be in whatever corner of whatever uh, great area. It is, it is still left you having no hope without God in the world. And the evidence of that is those people that have it. They seem to be miserable. They can't get any satisfaction. They even write songs about how they can't get satisfaction. They drink and they party and they leave miserable. Verse number 13 gives the pivot point. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We were excluded, but because of the Messiah, because of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, he has brought us in. And the next verse there, says, for he is our peace, underline that if you have it in your Bible there, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Now, let me give you some, some good advice here. Every single day, that wall of division goes up by a brick or two or three. And every day between you and your spouse, you and your sibling, you and your kids, you and your parents, you have to purposely pull those blocks down and you'll pull them down. And the next day you wake up, ah, what a great day. And you won't see them. There'll be a block. There'll be a wall. 
and you'll have to pull those down. And, and how do you do it? By getting close to God. He is our peace who hath made both one. You want to get close to people? Get close to God. Say that to your neighbor. You want to get close to people? Get close to God. For he is our peace that hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Look at verse 15. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Peace is formed when, when Christ takes away all all the unmet rules and laws. He takes away all the disappointments, all the pain, and all the suffering. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, there'll be nothing but walls and isolation and whatever the opposite of peace is. It will squeeze you. It'll press you. It'll make you miserable. But in Christ, we can have peace. I want to go all the way to verse number 19. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity, that is the adversity, that is the problems between us, thereby. Verse 17, and came and preached peace. What did Christ preach? How to have peace with God, how to have peace in our hearts, and how to have peace with our neighbor, to you which were afar off, and them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. And our last verse here in this Ephesians 2, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and the household of God. That is, we are unified. Now, we've talked about these three different types of peace. The first one is salvation. That is a spiritual peace. It's an eternal peace. It is peace with God. Without that, there will be no peace. The second peace is an emotional peace. It is internal. It is the peace of God. And the third piece is relational peace. This is peace between our spouses, uh, our siblings, our children, our parents, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers. It's relational peace, it's external, and it is obviously with others. Galatians 3, verse 26 through 29 says this, For ye are all the children of God, by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes you've heard people say, well, we're all the children of God, meaning every because Jesus came, there's universal salvation and everybody's saved because Christ died for everybody. And that's, that's the logic there, which this first half says, you're all the children of God. But that end is the qualifier, by faith in Christ Jesus. Without repentance and without belief, you're not part of the family. You have to be adopted in. There's something There's something Christ did. He died. There's something God did. He sent his son. There's something we've got to do. I've got to repent. I've got to believe. And there it is in Galatians 3 and verse number 26. 27 says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye all are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That is the incredible unifier between all of us. It's The ground is level at the cross, and that's the only leveler that there is in the world. Now, man is going to try to make all sorts of other levelers. 
But by unifying two people, they will exclude a third. And every little system of um, equality or uh, socialism or communism, it sounds good, it looks good, but there's the flaw of our own humanity and it excludes people and ends up being a disaster. And the bigger and more organized it is, it seems to be the greater pain and suffering comes about. So the there is no peace without God. That's what I'm trying to say here. I think that's following the word of God. Now, let's go to the second part of our outline, these last three elements, and this the three steps we must take to exchange our pressure for peace. I did a quick series search. Now, that's not a very accurate search. I don't want to recommend it. Those of you watching online, don't try this at home. But basically, Siri, how many Americans feel pressure every day? And Siri replied with this little article that said 78% of Americans feel excessive pressure every single week. And I think it was something like, there's a lower number that said 20-something feel incredible pressure every single day. So let's do our own little Graceway search here. How many of you would say, in a general, in a general week, an average week, you would feel some pretty good stress and pressure at some point during that week? Let me see your hand. Now, I wouldn't say that that is necessarily bad. I think when you are doing a job and striving to be your best and trying to make a difference, there's going to be a point of stress. There's going to be a point of pressure. There's a point of stress and pressure upon me every week to preach a good message. As a matter of fact, one of the most stressful times is right after we have a good message. There's a good message and you heard a good message. And I, I was like, man, that was a good message. And then I'm like, oh, Sunday's coming. Oh man, I've got another message. So there's got to be another message in here. And you know what? There always is. But the answer for me is the same answer for you. It's God's word. I'm to be doing God's job. Now, whatever you do, whatever it is that you do, you need to be doing that as unto the Lord, filled with the empowerment of God. And that's how we exchange this pressure for peace. Now, I'll give you these three points. Number one, respond to God's enlightenment. How do I exchange pressure for peace? I respond respond to God's enlightenment. In Ephesians 1, verses 17 through 19, a lot of Bible here today. Do you like the Word of God? All right, that was a little weak. Do you like the Word of God? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge of him. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Let me ask you right now, is there something that you don't get in your life or something that you are, I mean, you are not getting, and it's not some little thing, but it's like, oh, I don't understand. God wants to reveal these things. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. Listen, God wants you to have hope, and God wants you to know. Would you speak that into your neighbor real quick? Just God wants you to know. God wants you to have hope. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance 
in the saints. God wants you to know about this hope, about the glory, about this inheritance, and, and it's not uh, a skinny little thing. This is, this is a worthy inheritance. God has a worthy portion for you. You would be foolish to walk away from it. But Christians, every day, every temptation, every temptation that we submit to, we lose sight of the hope of his calling. We forget about the wealth and the worthiness of this inheritance that he has for us. Verse number 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power? You need to respond. I need to respond to God's enlightenment. When I feel pressure, maybe to preach a message, when I feel pressure to walk into uh, uh, the Capitol and, and, and try to talk to somebody, I need to realize that God wants to accomplish more than I want to accomplish. God wants to use you to do something great. This week, and you don't know what it is. I don't know what it is but it's not just great, it's exceeding great. And his power, his power is not just reserved and far off. It's to us, it's to you that believe. And it's according, what is it according to? The working of his power. <laughs> it's God is wanting to work through us in a, in a huge, great way. I've got to see things from his perspective. When I see them from mine, there's pressure. There's pressure to, per, to perform. There's pressure to be perfect. I can't do this. And it's overwhelming. Jesus said something very interesting in Luke 11 and verse 35. He said this, Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. You know that a camera, of course, mimics our eye, and it has, uh, has the ability to to adjust when it gets in low light and adjust when it gets in bright light. You know, your conscience, the way you see things, adjusts. Adjusts much more and greater and better than any camera can do. That's why it's very important that when you go to bed, you don't go to bed angry. You don't go to bed messed up emotionally. Because however you go to bed and you sleep, you wake up, your body has readjusted. And it has brought things that were out there in front of you. It brought them in. And so anger that was in front of you and infuriating you, it's no longer infuriating you, but it's inside of you now. That's why you need to confess your sins. You need to pray before you go to bed. You need to say sorry. You need to get things right. Because your body can skew things upside down and backwards. It can take light and make it darkness. What he's actually talking about is not the eye and light. He's talking about good and evil. Your conscience can actually start seeing evil as good and good as evil. And so you would say, how could that wicked man lead that regime like that and do those horrible things to those people and dominate everyone? How could that happen? How did he do it? Because he thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was helping God or she or whoever it was. How could wicked people do this? Because the warning here by Jesus, watch out that you don't skew the good to evil and the evil to good. 
That's why you have to respond to God's enlightenment. Otherwise, you'll be speaking things to yourself. I can't do that. I can't do that. I could never do this. You don't know who I am. This is what happened to me. My parents did this. My siblings did that. My friends did this other thing. I've always done it this way. I've always done No, no, no. You've got to see it God's way. Agree with God. Number two, you've got to reject the attitude of entitlement. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And say it with me, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, this is an incredible and incredible truth. When you submit to God and you say, God, I'm going to see it your way, I'm going to go your way. I'm going to walk with you. I'm not going to fight and defend and try to get things for myself. But Lord, what you, what you hand me, that I'll receive. And what you don't, I'll be, I'll be just accepting of. God will do something great in your heart. He will keep your heart. He will keep your mind. And it's beyond what you could ever explain. It's beyond what you could even understand. And it's tied to thanksgiving and the expression of that. This be careful, it's not talking about walk around and, you know, your mom said, hey, honey, be careful. No, it's not talking about that. It's talking about anxiety. It says don't stress out and worry and get anxious for any reason. But in every single situation, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, those three elements, they've got to be there. I'm praying, that is, I'm submitting and I'm asking the right person, that's God. And I'm interceding, I'm sitting down with God, I'm I'm thinking, I'm seeing it his way. I'm interceding for others, I'm being generous, and I am thankful. When that happens, I can say, God, I have your peace. The whole subject today is peace. How do I get the peace of God? Eternal, internal, and external. How do I get it? Well, This is a key thing, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I have got to, I have got to reject the attitude of entitlement. The slogans on fast food, have it your way. You deserve a break today. You deserve this. No, no, no. With food and raiment, be content. Lord, I'm thankful, I'm happy, and the power of God works through you. It's an amazing thing. It doesn't make sense to the world. You can't explain it, but it's true. When you submit to God and say, God, uh, I'm yours, I'm all in, God will use you in ways you could not imagine. You, You could never explain it, you could never understand it. James 4, 6 says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but God gives grace unto the humble. You ever have somebody resist you? I mean, they don't want to be around you. In football, one of the greatest moves is called the stiff arm. (laughs) And somebody's coming at you, and you boom, you lock your elbow and push them back just a little bit with your shoulder, and they got stiff arm, they're, they're away. You don't want God pushing you away, but if you humble yourself, God will give you grace, and God will give you favor. And you'll say, this is broken. It can never be fixed. Not so. You humble yourself. What will people think? That's the whole point. I'm humbling myself. I have no hope outside of you, God. I'm humbling myself. And God gives grace. And God gives favor. But he's already given grace. Don't worry. God gives more grace. (laughs) God gives more 
more grace. Let me give you the third one. The first one, respond to God's enlightenment. The second one, reject the attitude of entitlement. And number three, rest. Rest in his enablement. Rest in his enablement. This is dependency and faith. In Isaiah 26 and verse number 12, it says, Lord, thou will ordain what? Peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. God, you're the one that's doing all this. I'm nothing without you. I know you've done it the whole way. And God, I know you have uh, decreed, you have ordained peace for us. I want you to claim that today. I want you to claim that peace. I want you to grab it and say, Lord, I want peace. And Lord, you've ordained peace. You've done everything in my life. Lord, you've saved me. You've changed me. You've prepared me. You've preserved me this whole way. And Lord, I need more grace. Would you just whisper that to the Lord right now in your own heart? Lord, I need more grace. Lord, help me. I need more favor. I need more grace. Psalm 34 verses 18 and 19 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. God will deliver you. God wants to deliver you out of these problems, out of this anxiety, out of this negative cycle that's spiraling ever downward. So here's the decision you need to make. Is it going to be worry or worship? Is it going to be Panic or peace? Is it going to be pressure or prayer? We've got to get to the Lord. We've got to ask Him for His blessing. Thank you for listening, and we hope you were helped by that message from Pastor Brad Wells. Reach out to us anytime at gracewaydc.com or come visit us in person, Sundays at 11, Thursdays at 7. We'll be back next week with another message from Graceway Baptist Church right here on Capitol Hill.